everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the, another episode of the Hardcore Podcast. In today's episode I'm joined with Ariana Fleischman. Hi Ariana. Hi, hi everyone. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you too. It's lovely to have you on and I'm excited to have a conversation. Welcome. So let's get straight on into it, into the quick fire round. Um, how old are you? I am 21 years old. 21 oh okay same what when are you born in when were you born like what month uh november oh okay no okay yeah um i'm a may baby oh yeah so your birthday's <laughs> soon kind of yeah, soon kind of soon oh my god literally oh i can't not even think about it <laughs> crazy right yeah um and so what where did you train and where are you currently dancing Okay, so I grew up training in like multiple small schools in Jacksonville, Florida in the United States. Um, And then when I turned 18, I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So halfway across the country um, to join Milwaukee Ballet's training program. And then the following year, I moved to Fort Wayne Ballet as a trainee. And now I'm currently a dancer with United Ballet Theater as a trainee as well. And I'm a professional dancer with Emotions Dance Incorporated. So exciting. Yeah. Um, and what is your what point shoes do you wear? Okay, so I switch off in between um Freed of London's and Gainer Mingens. Okay. Since Gainer Mingen changed their point shoe, it doesn't fit my foot very well, but I'm still able to kind of work around it. But I prefer my Freed of London's, but they die very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you're not the only one who's had that issue with going on wind. I think a lot of people, I hear about it all the time. <laughs> and I find my shoe and I still haven't found it yet. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for you sending prayers. Point shoes are not, they're not easy. <laughs> no, it's something you don't want to mess with. Mm-mm. And what is your favorite leotard that you own? I love the Yumiko brand. Mm-hmm. And so um there's a small brand called dance by lena dancewear and mm-hmm. they're basically and i really love their designs as well they're all very pretty and they fit very nicely nice do you have a favorite yumiko um i think the tamara style is my favorite because mm-hmm. i really show off like my back i work very hard for it so i like to show off the muscles in my back i think i've got the tamara in a red with a white trim Oh, it's got, got the straps and then it's got that one line at the back that kind of links onto the straps. Yeah. yeah. I have like light, like a baby blue and oh, nice. it has like, and I love that one. Mm, nice. I love asking. I mean, like I asked like more specifically just because I, I'm a bit of a obsessed, like leotard person. Um, yeah. So I'm like, I want to know exactly what your favorite, like, I'm like, yeah. tell me the details. Yeah, I love buying um, secondhand leotards from like secondhand um, like Facebook groups and things like that because I really like to be sustainable with that and I know that it's better for the environment to buy them secondhand and most of them have very rarely been used. 
So it's very, very nice to be able to kind of step into someone else's leotard and kind of, I think that you can kind of feel what they experienced in that as well with certain ones. Mm. No, that's really nice. I do exactly the same. And yeah, I think a lot of people do, but haven't heard too much, too many people say, talk about that. But I think in ballet, especially once you kind of get into the professional world-ish and you're in a company, there's a lot of like hand-me-downs and people giving yeah. out dance all the time. That, yeah, especially because I'm quite a petite person. I'm very, very short. I'm only five foot tall. Okay. So people's like childhood leotards like that they want to get rid of or they bought like an extra small those like perfectly and it's great to be able to kind of trade with them (laughs) I love it um what is your favorite choreography that you've learned and you know Uh, any it can be just like just learned or you've performed it as well um there's so many I really loved um I really love the classics. Um, I've learned Swan Lake before, and that was amazing. Even just being in the core, I love all the positions and like the personality that goes with it. Um, I have a really big admirance for Balanchine works. I haven't had the opportunity to learn a whole lot of them, but I just love the style of them. And honestly, taking like any Balanchine based class just feels natural in my body. I don't know what about it because I've never actually been trained Balanchine, but mm-hmm. I was trained growing up. So you kind of get in a mix of everything. And that's something that has always just felt very comfortable to me as well as contemporary works. I love any, whether it's original or if it's class, like more classical, I love all of them. Yeah, no, I'm with you on the Balanchine. Like I've never been trained in it, um, but like I love watching it and I just... It's kind of weird because I look at it and, I mean, like part of it doesn't seem super classical to me, but then part of it I'm like, it literally looks amazing though. Like like yeah. it just looks so good. <laughs> and all the dancers are trained in it or even possibly not trained in it, but that they do it, they just look so like comfortable. And it, even though it's a very like very different style when you're doing it, you're like, wait, what is this step? How does this work? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what is your favorite food? Anything chocolate. I love chocolate. chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love chocolate. No, that's a good choice. Good choice. Um, so let's go into more about your dancing journey. Um, how did you start dancing? Was it just ballet? Were you doing multiple styles? Um, um, and what did that think, look like? Okay, when I first started. I was four years old when I first started, so I started quite young. Um, but I don't know what led me to it. I just loved it. I just knew that I wanted to do it. I was like, ever since I could speak, my mom always told me, you know, like you were always like, can I go to dance class now? Can I go to dance class now? And um, she waited until I was four to put me in so I could kind of more comprehend what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I believe I started in a combo class, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> So really, honestly, I started with both. And then as I got older, I went more towards ballet. But then I started training in modern and jazz. Um, I've also trained in like throughout my career. I've trained in hip hop, African, contemporary, modern, jazz, tap, pretty much everything. So I really love all of it. And I'm 
So I'm really not sure what led me to it. And just mm-hmm. in my life, like, I want to, I want to dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Dance. Yeah. No, it's nice. You had a natural, I guess, desire to do it which yeah. is good because I think a lot of kids get into ballet through their parents I mean like not that that's a bad thing but I think sometimes it can be a bit funny when it's just like it's almost like the parents are like putting their dream into their children um Very, I see that yeah. a lot <laughs> I know it's definitely a very common thing and I feel like those tend to be the kids that do drop out not necessarily but a lot of them because it's mainly the parents seems like it's their dream maybe not the child's dream Mm -hmm. as much yeah yeah exactly um what was the point in your dance training I guess where you were like okay I want to take this a bit more seriously and I want to start maybe doing more classes or I want to look at maybe this becoming a career yeah um, I think when I was about eight Mm -hmm. I decided wanted to do it because I was just in love with this since I started and I definitely started ramping up to more classes I think by the time I was eight I was dancing every day so um that'll go with something that we're going to talk about a little bit later as well mm-hmm. um I just loved it so much and it was just something that I knew that I wanted to do mm-hmm. no I mean I completely get that I was definitely not dancing that much when I was eight though like <laughs> yeah I was no. <laughs> um, so then at what point, if you, you know, so for eight until when did you, I guess, go off to train at a perfect, did you go and train at a professional school or were you um, at a smaller studio until you became a trainee? I was at a smaller studio until I became a trainee, but we did have like a conservatory program. We came mm-hmm. in that one every day and we'd go until about 3 30 and then we'd have a break and then we'd start other classes at 4 30 until eight o'clock mm-hmm. so um that was more of a serious training and we also had like we were considered junior company members meaning that we did shows it was just like a small studio but we still did a lot of shows and stuff and so we were in the main like cast main mm-hmm. leads and everything like that. oh that's exciting so you got yeah. you got like like performance opportunities um throughout all that training definitely yeah Mm, that's really good um so then when you were kind of looking at like okay how old were you when you I guess like go off to become a trainee just because all the how how all like second companies and trainees Uh, I know it's it's so confusing and it's very different in Europe or like the UK right because Bela, I dance now. I'm being our trainee, the trainees at United Ballet Theater. We do dance with the professional company. We take mm-hmm. company and everything. Mm-hmm. So we're on almost part of the company. Mm-hmm. But the trainee programs have been um, more just a trainee, training program. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came to it, I was about, I was 17 when I started auditioning. Okay. Um, I turned 18 and when I got the offer from Milwaukee Ballet, I was really excited because that's a very well-known company here in the U.S. And so um, I was very excited to do that. It was a pre-professional um, training program, but they also, like, the company always called us trainees. I'm not. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very like, mixed okay. training. You can both, yeah. um, we would train from, some days we would have, like, a Pilates class at, like, 8 a.m., and then we would train until about four, mm-hmm. I think. 
So it was a pretty intense program, but um, it was specifically for training, but we did have our own shows as well within that. And it was a new program when I joined it, but it was in a well-established company. So that was really cool to be a part of kind of their inaugural season of that. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? I didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I loved atmosphere and everything. Um, The only reason that I left is I felt like I had gotten offered that spot again next year and I felt like I needed to grow a little bit more and go somewhere that maybe and I had uh, Fort Wayne Valley offer me a higher position Mm -hmm. so that's I didn't move because I moved to be a trainee there so Mm -hmm. nice and were you so when you left to do the pre-professional I guess what would call it at um, Milwaukee Ballet Yes. Was that something that you, like, did you have to pay for that or did you get any sort of pay? Did yeah. you get point shoes paid was, for? What was, like, it, the sitch? <laughs> it was, uh, um, like, I did have to pay tuition for it. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, it, I mean, it was worth it. I got a lot out of it. And it was kind of my first taste of yeah, kind of how a professional would work and going to a very prestigious place like that was mm. really good for me. Yeah, I mean, that part of it is very common. Like we have, gosh, we have, I think every, well, yeah, we've got quite a few pre-professional programs in the UK that are like connected to companies and yeah. they're, it's a tuition-based program. Uh, even um, training now, the program that I am in is tuition-based as well. Okay. But it's still, I am working my way up. That's, mm-hmm. and I'm- Oh, Exactly. It is somewhat, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, is somewhat difficult mm-hmm. because navigate the professional world right now too because it used to be you just went straight into a company at 18 versus now you have to work up into training programs or second companies or whatever, at least in the US right now. So that's definitely a, a bit of a difficult situation, I would say. Mm. Yeah, I think, well... <laughs> So if, I don't even think it's just my opinion. I'm sure everyone kind of feels this way, but it's just, I just feel like it's such an exploitative, is that the right word? Ex- yeah, It's word. just exploitation. <laughs> it's an exploitative um, process because I guess like what is, how many people actually do get jobs straight out of school? Right. It's It's gone down a lot. And especially since the pandemic too, that's made it even harder mm. because, all companies are having a hard time financially so they need to make money so we have to do tuition-based programs so they can make the money mm-hmm. and it's just definitely yeah it's I'm, not fun <laughs> to be where I am right now um I love even if it is tuition-based I love that they do treat us like professionals like the mm-hmm. trainees are professionals and we're given opportunities to dance with the company and it's very nice mm, that's really good yeah. um because yeah I guess it's going to be different everywhere you go um yeah so then going on from Milwaukee to Fort Wayne what was that experience like um Um, it was a good experience definitely I did learn a lot that year Mm -hmm. but I just felt like it wasn't necessarily the place for me Mm -hmm. so that is why I had moved on from there Mm -hmm. fair enough (laughs) and that's absolutely fine there's no point saying in a in an environment that's not helping you grow as a person artist yeah and I think you know everyone should make I mean we're at a point in time where 
we're smart enough to make our own decisions where you know we're mature enough to weigh out pros and cons right yeah um so I think it is important that people kind of find what makes I say makes them happy but like is a more fulfilling environment it makes you feel somewhat satisfied and comfortable yes exactly because I mean everyone deserves that especially for mental health sake and everything Mm -hmm. exactly um so then from there you came to United Ballet Theatre um tell me more about that and Um, what that experience has been because I've seen a few things like on Instagram and I know that I think the company seems very kind of pro yes we're like yeah Um, we're very conditioning sort of thing definitely yeah we do a lot of conditioning we have a very balanced schedule um they make sure to incorporate our class training into our normal schedule so Mm -hmm. we do have class and everything like that Mm -hmm. but without being overworked and we have certain days where we're incorporating cross training into our schedule and we train with this crazy machine called the Ritamax machine which is um it works kind of a form of a police system almost and it just has like how a theraband has the resistance but not like the weight of it mm-hmm. it's like that we're focusing on using that to create pliability in our muscles and mm-hmm. to be able to dance better and stronger than someone that doesn't do that cross training so mm-hmm. I'm very here and I really love it mm-hmm. and I find that everything that they stand for resonates very very much with me because I am very um I've always been very into cross training Mm -hmm. even as a student but that can lead to an overtaxation of muscles I think when you're a student and you're doing cross training all on your own Mm -hmm. you can get injured very easily and I've been very thankful to be rehabbing from a hip injury at United Ballet Theater and everyone's been very very understanding with that as well which is really really nice Mm, that's good have you felt like a difference in your dancing with kind of being in a different um I guess environment and like doing rehab and conditioning differently to maybe how you did it before definitely I definitely feel a lot of a difference it's more of a I find it more as like just like calming and everyone's so nice and we're Mm -hmm. all like and it's not like obviously yeah there is some competition because we're all fighting to get better but it's more of an internal competition as opposed to a competition with everyone like Mm -hmm. amongst ourselves so that's great Mm. that's nice Being, being able to be in a contemporary company as well the emotions dance incorporated which I'm a professional dancer with which I just started Mm-hmm. Um, that's my first like professional professional contract and mm-hmm. their schedule lined up perfectly with the United Ballet Theater schedule so I'm able to do both which is fantastic and my mm-hmm. director yeah go for it that's really good how is it how how does the schedule line up like do you have like separate days like how many days a week is that so it's really complicated um when the emotions dance schedule is in the evenings on Tuesday, Thursday, and Sundays. Okay. And my United Ballet Theater schedule is during the days Tuesday through Saturday. 
Okay. So, um, the schedules work out perfectly and I'm able to just like go from United Ballet Theater to go home and rest a little bit and then go to my other company job. So mm. that's exciting. And I'm sure yeah. that helps with then being able to like pay the tuition as well, because I was going to go on to that as in like, have you ha- had to work alongside your yeah, training? I, I- job on top of that as well I work for a company called Art and Flight and we do like um like um different training programs and stuff virtually and Mm -hmm. it's able to do that alongside it as well so I'm a very busy person Mm. yeah I'm very thankful that I'm able to like and my parents have also been a great financial help because they do help me with my tuition since I can't quite make enough to Mm. Uh, as well because obviously the dance world is a bit underpaying yes (laughs) yeah no I I know (laughs) it's like enough to like get by and I have enough to like buy point shoes and everything like that and I also have like an earring making business I do on the side Mm -hmm. but my parents do pay for the majority of my stuff and I'm very very thankful to them for me for doing that for me because I I don't I couldn't do it otherwise I don't think yeah no I mean and like that is the difficult thing um and I'm sure a lot of listeners will relate to that yeah and and you know I'm sure that you know a lot of people stop for that reason um Yeah. yeah financial difficulties in ballet and just the way it kind of is is frustrating <laughs> to say the least so I get that um yeah. yeah going back to I know like we talked about this off the podcast but like as to talk about on the podcast was um overtraining at a younger age and kind yeah. of the negative effects of that so what's your experience been like with that um and injuries and things like that um so I've definitely I've been very lucky that most of my injuries have been minor but um, when I, like I said, from the time I was eight to like now I've danced pretty much every day, like from quite long hours. And um, I was put on point when I was 10, which was a little bit early for me personally. Mm. I mean, I was 11, but I, my growth plates were closed and everything like they checked, but I still have trouble. Like I had really weak ankles as a kid. Um, my very, very flexible. So I always, I've been in, I've been in physical therapy several times, I think like four or five times and in my career. And the first thing was just to make sure that like my ankles wouldn't roll and stuff, because I did have trouble with that as a child and mm-hmm. um, like rolling my ankles in first position is still something that I have to work on to this mm. day because they're just so flexible and going along with that. I've had a few ankle sprains um, they weren't that serious, but it's still something that has happened a lot. Um, I got tendonitis in my, I have not got, have tendonitis in my left Achilles. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of an injury that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. But I feel really? like most relate to that. Yeah. But it's, it's not, it's been able, I've been able to manage it pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's I have to know like what I can do and what I can't do. And it still gets inflamed if I go and like don't do a proper warm up and everything. Mm. And 
most recent injury was I actually tore my labrum in my hip and had an impingement on my iliopsoas, meaning that it would get like stuck over the joint. And like oh every time it would like pop and pop and pop and pop. Oh my God. Subsequently, I got tendonitis in my adductor. So this, this right hip has been through a lot. Oh, that is rough. But yeah, I was very lucky. Um, I didn't, they, I found a doctor that was pretty progressive. And so they wanted to try a different treatment other than surgery because my first doctor that I saw about this and this went on for like three years. I danced on a torn labrum for three years because I didn't know. At first, I didn't know that it was torn. And then you just, the pandemic, it was painful. Yes, it was very, very painful. But I was like, you know, like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Whatever. I went to the doctor. You, and, sorry, can I just, um, it's, were you living away from home at this point? I was, yeah. Okay. Living Do you think in, you would have, if you were at home and that had happened, do you think you would it would have you would have handled it differently or yeah probably yeah. <laughs> um someone that does but I do put off things unfortunately like that Everyone like my does. yeah my Achilles tendonitis I put it off like seeing a doctor until it like swelled up double the size one night and I finally went to the hospital and that's they oh told me it was, but my hip I would have sought treatment sooner I think but I, right after I got the diagnosis, because they didn't even do an MRI or anything, they just knew from the way that it would move and stuff mm -hmm. that born. Um, right after I got that diagnosis, the pandemic hit. So then I was stuck in my apartment doing ballet, not being able to seek treatment for it. And then when I finally got settled at a different place and I went to another doctor and they were like, well, we'll put you in physical therapy and see if that helps that didn't help and they were like okay we have to do surgery on it then that's the only option they gave me they didn't give me any other option so I wanted a second opinion and I knew I was moving so yeah. I I got to Orlando I saw another doctor and they were like well let's try this and it's called a PRP injection mm -hmm. where they take your um they take your blood they split spin it in a centrifuge to get the um plasma out of it and then they inject it into the affected area and it's supposed to help the body kind of heal itself so I had that done at the beginning of summer and now I'm able to dance I want to have it done again because I still have a few lingering issues with it but mm -hmm. it's not near as bad as it was before I used to have to take like I would take like six ibuprofen a day or something and for someone my size that's quite a lot mm. and so beyond like a um an anti-inflammatory but a different type that would be easier on my liver until I could get the mm -hmm. treatment but oh my god of, that sounds yeah I'm so sorry you've had to experience that out of interest because I mean and people who don't live in the states listening to this will be interested because over here um as I'm sure you know we have free health care However, yeah. there are a lot of things, and I know that throughout my whole training, like we didn't have a physical therapist or any sort of, um, what would you call it? Um, physio. Yeah, is that physical therapist? Physio? Physiotherapist? Yeah. We didn't have that for free at my, right. at my school where I trained. So we did have to sort out and, Me you know. 
ever had like until I got to United Ballet Theater like we do have some physical therapists that come in and like evaluate our dancers as well mm-hmm. but I had done before I got that evaluation so yeah um, but yeah it wasn't free I had to outsource it and try mm-hmm. to get my internship covered I was very lucky that they did yeah because my I was always on my um my father's insurance and he has very good insurance okay so. that's good that helps yeah because I was gonna say like then it comes I wasn't sure yeah like it generally it depends so what insurance you're under and yeah that stuff yeah um but yeah no that's crazy to me like I don't know like every time I find out that like you have to pay for I don't know like would you have to pay to every time you get a check like to get that injection okay so the injection that's not free is it (laughs) not covered under insurance but very special case and because it would save them from having to do surgery on it mm-hmm. they did cover it but normally that injection right. can range from like 700 to like I want to say like 1300 dollars okay. so it range like and quite a bit yeah yeah because when I think like I don't know what this like I've only really had one kind of major injury and I broke my fifth metatarsal and in mm-hmm. that, I was in a boot and I had to go to the hospital. I had an x-rays. Um, I mean, I had multiple x-rays and checkups and things like this. And all right. that was covered by the NHS and, you know, went on right. for like 10 weeks. Yeah. And I always wonder like, okay, like that whole process is that had happened in the States. Like, um, like unless my insurance covered co- covered it, that would yeah. have not been a cheap no, experience. <laughs> have to pay for it. Um, yeah if you don't have insurance, you have to pay everything out of pocket. There are certain ways that you can get like financial assistance and mm. things that you have to pretty much have insurance. And even some insurances don't necessarily cover things like that. So you mm. have to pay quite a bit extra in order to get it. Yeah. That's the, it's interesting kind of, cause I hadn't, I mean, this is something that I haven't really talked about on the pod- podcast is in, kind of how that differs in different countries and people that are listening who do kind of know that the US yeah. healthcare system is quite different to the UK um yeah. and especially as a student if you're not like you're not under your own insurance yet because you haven't got like you're not working um, right yeah still that must my- be hard like I'm sure there's a lot of da- young dancers who are getting injured and especially like I don't know like I just can imagine there's all these extra barriers um yeah in when it comes to seeking help and I wonder you know if that was something that because it's I don't know like because like for me like if I have a niggle or if something I'm like okay I know this is not right or like this has been going on for like too long now I'm gonna pull out my GP and I'm gonna get it looked at that's what I'll do doesn't cost me anything it's not a hassle to do other than the fact right. that I might have to wait like in line or like wait for two weeks to get an appointment but like, other than that it's not like a hassle so I wonder if like there was any that point of because seeking I don't know like do you feel like have, seeking help is difficult um a bit yeah because you like have to make yeah with the best healthcare system um certain we have several like different types of insurances you can get like different mm-hmm. as you could consider it different brands owned by different yes 
um, you have to make sure that your doctor that you go see, like your primary care physician, mm-hmm. you have to make that they're in network first. Okay. Then you have to go make that appointment and go to that appointment. And then from there, they'll refer you to a specialist. And you have to make sure certain ones you have to make sure that specialist is within network as well. Mm-hmm. And in order to get us covered and even like I still have a copay. It's only like thirty dollars per visit, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. But they'll have to pay that. Up, yeah. yeah. So it's it's definitely an interesting interesting experience. Yeah. Either have like free healthcare. That's like fascinating to me. It is. It always- I mean, it's some it's something I'm very like when I hear about stories I mean not even just within dances like just in general news stories it's like you see someone's like had to book an ambulance and it costs like you ring yeah. up that an ambulance will come yeah. to your house if you call the number like that's it yeah <laughs> it's crazy I know like it's I, crazy I mean I don't know if the tax is like I don't un, don't I don't, un, I don't understand tax <laughs> I'm not to get like someone that knows like this information and like yeah but I mean, like every country is so different. And that's something that I would love to kind of nitpick more out of dancers, pick, especially if they're like working in Europe or like Eastern Europe or Australia or Canada, or just like other countries all over the world where, yeah. well, what happens when you're injured? And what if your company doesn't cover it? And what if it does? Yeah. yeah. Um, like it's different for every, every company will be different. Yeah. Um, so I find that really interesting. Yeah. Working to prevent the injuries is definitely top priority for me as well as theater and everything. So we Mm. try to minimize the amount of, and obviously like I'll get little aches and pains, but usually they're not, it's not something that I have to be overly concerned about usually unless it's, you know, when it's severe. Yeah, that's good. Um, So when you, I guess, did you experience many negative effects from like overtraining at a young age? Do you feel like, like, do you think that's affected your body now? I think it has definitely, um, definitely like obviously having the tendonitis Mm -hmm. contribute that to maybe like going on point a little bit earlier than I may have should have. I think that my hip could have been caused by it as well. I'm unsure. I know that at some point I thought I sprained my hip when okay. I was 12 and I didn't go to the doctor because I didn't think anything of it. You know, you sprain your ankle all the time and dance, honestly. So I didn't think anything of it. And then it didn't re- like didn't start hurting me really bad until I was 18. So mm-hmm. I don't know if two incidents are related, but I feel like they could be. Um. But other than that, I definitely, I definitely feel like honestly, even being a professional, I dance less hours now than mm-hmm. I did like in training. Okay. And so my body has responded very well to that because my body, I found that like some dancers work really well if they like work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. My body does not respond well to that. It responds to having like a break once in a while or having a day off. That way I can like recover from the week and everything because I actually find that I dance better after I've had that break Mm -hmm. when we have week-long breaks or whatever everyone's like oh I'm so out of shape I'm like my leg feels like way higher than it was before because all the muscles just loosen Mm. as 
being so tight all the time. I'm yeah. very prone to really tight muscles because mm. also my hip, I started having some back problems as well. Like my certain muscles in my back get very, very tight or like I'll get really bad knots like in my um, QLs, which is along like the side of your back. Mm-hmm. And erector spinae muscles which are the ones right next to your spine that hold you upright oh those get, get so tight on me too i and i get little knots and sometimes you can actually see like the little knot give oh you my press gosh. On. yeah <laughs> like that it's really really but so <laughs> i think definitely and it's definitely affected me in like the way that i dance as well because i'm still trying to get it back from being mm-hmm. injured three years like mm-hmm. i still noticed that there are certain things I couldn't hold my pelvis in the right place mm-hmm. because it was not so much trying to protect that damaged area mm-hmm. and I just I couldn't get it in the right place um I had trouble like lifting my leg so it definitely affected everything within my alignment and everything mm-hmm. so I'm working to correct that yeah and I think there could be some bad habits I picked up when I was younger too from that like just from having like a sprained ankle or something or some injuries even you might not even know you have but mm-hmm. just compensate for it so much even though you don't know that you're doing it yeah no definitely um I mean injuries are so gosh like yeah they're so, um... <laughs> they're so too so frustrating and yeah. I wish I don't know I just wish that more teachers and people in power were just more understanding of injuries and weren't so well I don't know like it's kind of finding that balance of okay well how far can you push this person or do you push that person when they're injured or do you let them like I've got some like I remember there was a time and this is all fine. I mean, like, this is kind of just a general, like, story time for people listening, but just, and it's made me realise a lot, and I'm sure, you know, you might have had similar experiences. Um, I was at bar, it was, like, my first, like, kind of major, it, I mean, I won't say it was a major injury, but I did something to my hip, never found out what it was, hasn't come back. I got mm-hmm. it in my first year of training, and it was painful through my whole, like, I guess it's, like, it could have been something to do with the psoas, um, yeah like that so as all the way down but like I knew it was bad because I couldn't fall to sleep at night it was so sore like it would be right. sore even when I wasn't doing anything yeah and I remember like I really tried to like get through as much dance as I could and there was one day it was just so sore I was at bar and I was like crying and my teacher walks past me he was he literally just looked at me and kept walking along the bar and I was yeah. like, I'm literally streaming tears down here. I'm 16 years old. I don't live, I'm not at home. I have no support. And you're just letting me cry. Exactly. Um, back then I was like, oh my God, this is what I have to do. Oh, okay. I'm going to keep pushing through yeah. life. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to finish bar at least. I'll just yeah. try and do as much as I can. But I couldn't even, I think I got to like fondues and I was like, I can't do this. I was literally crying. And everyone was like looking at me because it's kind of this awful situation is, because what does that say to the rest of the students? The right. teacher in the room has a has a who is the primary person of care to you know like and you know this is edu- this is an education like a 
institution that is funded by the government because we got a university degree um and when you and I want you know is this happening in other schools like especially ones that are you know have accreditation in terms of right like it wasn't a private super private institution like it was we had to I don't know if that might I don't know what I'm trying to say I definitely had that experience um more so growing up than when I got into like professional wise Mm -hmm. which is really I didn't have that a lot when I became more like more serious about my training more professional Mm -hmm. but definitely younger I grew up in a very like old school teaching old methodology kind of thing so we were expected to work through injuries and things like that and not really like similar to your experience not really people having sympathy for it Mm. I mean like like, you couldn't stand and then you can't stand like you can't do anything yeah um now with United Ballet Theater and I know I preach this a lot but Mm. we are given even trainees we're given like the authority of ourselves like you know if something's hurting really bad or something like that you just tell the teacher and they're like okay do what you can do and don't like don't kill yourself doing it which is an amazing experience I've never really but I'm Mm. also a person that internalizes a lot of things like that like if I'm hurting or something I will usually suffer through it as much as I can and that's Mm -hmm. just a personal trait that's not even like I don't know where it came from maybe because I did grow up in like a Mm. more old situation um I've always been like that unless like like I said I danced on my hips as full out as I can could for three years so like I mean I would let the teachers know but I would just say like you know it's fine I can do whatever you need to do it's fine like (laughs) the directors I didn't even want to tell them like when I first got the diagnosis I told the Pilates teacher who then proceeded to tell the director and I was like oh boy see yeah definitely definitely learn something from that though and that you should be even if you're going to be maybe like persecuted for I still think that you should be honest with the person because like mm-hmm. if they see you I don't know like not lifting your leg to the highest height or whatever they need to know that that's what's wrong mm. see that and that's something that then I did re- like I realized that I was I think because then when I broke my foot in the beginning of my graduate year so like two mm-hmm. years in my third year and something I experienced a lot was kind of I really that's when I realized I was like okay I'm not actually being supported through this injury um what happens right now doesn't really matter in the sense like it doesn't actually matter what my teacher thinks right yeah what is he gonna do I'm in a boot I like didn't mean like what is he gonna do what can any teacher do like I'm in a boot what like what can you do and then coming back from it um was a very weird experience and it was kind of going in and out of still having niggles and I was like okay if I want to be down like the thing that I told myself the whole time I was like okay you need to take this like seriously would you rather be because I've I was watching friends who were suffering from tendonitis and it was going on for three years I was like that I'm not letting that be me like no this is not obviously any shame anyone that has been pushing themselves through tendonitis for years like I get it it's rough but I was like that's not going to be me and I don't want to dance in pain so I'm going to take the executive decision to sit out 
yeah and not do anything until I know my body's ready to go back into it and that's a hard choice to make like I'm that was that was no easy decision I'm not gonna lie I hate like I did not enjoy that time at all I'm like that too definitely like even having the privilege that I do now to be able to do that mm-hmm. I still go with it mentally yeah and I met like even so much as to have been kind of brainwashed into thinking am I really in pain mm. or thinking I'm in pain you know like see that's a, those- that's something that is really sad because it does I think a lot of people are in that position in yeah like I've had people say that they've had physios tell them it was like a or like people they've gone to for help tell them oh you know you've been in pain so long you're probably just like imagining it at this point like right. it's people t- and I'm like what is this no sorry what yeah like, <laughs> I totally what? understand yeah. um so it's sad like oh I hate that dancers and athletes and people who are in that position of you know where they're being injured doubting how they feel like their bodies are telling them clear signs and they're like uh are you in pain though (laughs) it's a very hard sense to like know okay is this just like a muscle knot that's bothering me or is this like pain pain because sometimes it can feel very similar especially like I'm a person that has a very, very high pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. It's even harder for me to tell, like, am I in pain? Or is, like, something seriously wrong? Mm. Or is it just Like, it's very, very hard. And I feel like most dancers have a very high pain tolerance as well. Yeah. So we're all trying to figure out, is this a real injury? Or is this just, like, a muscle knot? Or what's happening? Because... Mm. And that's the hard thing, especially in the early stages of, I guess, experiencing pain. It's like, well, how serious is this? Is this something that could become more serious? Is there some? Is this some? Is it actually not going to get worse, but it's just going to stay like this? How far can I push right. it? Yeah, there's all these questions, and you never. And I feel like injuries and niggles and things like that always come at the worst of times. Like it's like you're about to, you know, you've got a show yeah. in two weeks or. Yeah. And this whole time, and this is something that's, I guess, so so frustrating in ballet. I feel like there's this part, you always have to prove yourself. There's yeah. never a moment of relaxation of... I agree. Like, it's always, there's, like, well, at least for me, I felt like I've always had to prove myself. There's never been a moment of, okay, yes, I feel like the whole artistic team trusts me no matter how I feel this day. Like, I am I feel like every day, I mean, I'm not dancing, like, full-time currently, like, I'm, li- but every time I've been in that situation of dancing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's too, and I feel like that's why dancers, we tend to be um, more prone to, like, anxiety and, like, depression and things too mm-hmm. because we are people pleasers. Yeah. Like that, that's really our job is to like please the audience. And we feel the need to also like impress, even though like the artistic team's not necessarily going to be impressed by that. Like, yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. So there's really, and that's like the hardest thing to overcome too is like, okay, like, yeah, they care and they are looking at you, but it's not like an end all be all kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. every day in you mess up in rehearsal one time it's not like it's embarrassing don't get me wrong but it's not the end of the world 
Mm. And that takes forever to learn that like you mess up a little tiny thing in rehearsal, especially if you're subbing for someone. That's mm. like one of the hardest things I find is definitely going in and subbing for someone, even though like you've never done that spot and then you mess up. And in my experience, I've had people be like, it's okay. Like, you know, you're still learning kind of thing. But it's still like my brain is like, oh my gosh, you just made a complete idiot of yourself. I mean, it is, it's hard, but all yeah. of that is part of, it's just part of life. It's all part of like a dancer's life and it's something, it's frustrating and um, like it's, it happens. It's when it happens, when you're in the middle of it, you're like, oh no. But and that's it, how you learn. Yeah, definitely. You just have to. I don't know. Yeah, I have to just get through it. Yeah, you have to make your mistakes. And I mean, even if like you go to a company that's not necessarily your company or whatever, even if it was a mistake for you or you think it was a mistake for you, it's part of learning. Exactly. And wouldn't know unless you tried. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ariana, is there anything else you wanted to mention or talk about before we wrapped up today's episode? I don't think so. I think it's just definitely listen to your body and pay attention to what it's saying because ultimately it knows better than you do. You think that you know, but really, honestly, your body will not lie to you. Yeah, no, I love that. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, so where can the listeners find you on social media if they want to check you out uh, um, or you any find- of your businesses or anything really? <laughs> You can find me at Ariana underscore ballerina one on Instagram. Um, I do have a Facebook as well. It's Ariana Fleischman. Um, my companies are United Ballet Theater and Emotions Dance Incorporated um, and Art and Flight Incorporated as well. Um, you can find most of that information linked as well as the brands that I'm an ambassador for and my adventures in dance and everything like that on those accounts perfect i will link them all in the description below um yeah thank you so much ariana for coming on and thank you to everyone who tuned into this week's episode i hope you enjoyed and yeah same time next week bye bye